Welcome for those of you who've traveled from out of town. We know that sometimes company comes in for the holidays, and if you've come in from a distance, thank you so much for being here with our church family and celebrating what we call Christmas Eve service on Sunday morning, December 23rd. Um, but without the windows there, you have no clue what time it is, really. It feels like it could be nighttime. Um, but really, the focus is Jesus and cele- celebrating him. My wife and I just returned from Wisconsin. We flew back last night, got to DIA at midnight, um, or actually got here back home uh, at midnight, and to bed about 1 o'clock. Yesterday was my mother's uh, memorial service. And so if I uh, get a little emotional during the service today, I hope you just give me the grace. I'm going to talk a little bit about her um, at the end, but Christmas was a wonderful time for her. Uh, she loved to sing, and I can imagine her first Christmas in heaven, getting to sing with the, the choirs of heaven, but not just, not just for Christmas, every single day getting to worship, because she loved to sing. I hope you do too, not just the carols, but the songs of worship for our Lord. I want to read to you the traditional Christmas story found in the Gospel of Luke, in Luke chapter 2. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all who went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger." It was 11 o'clock at night when a student named Scarlett couldn't sleep. She vacuumed her bedroom, picked up her clothes, and sent them out for the next day. A long-sleeved white shirt, a black and white dress, tights, and a shiny, shiny black boots. Could it be that her wish would come true the following day? She'd spent more than 4,000 days in foster care, longing to be adopted. She had lived in 36 different homes and facilities over the years. All that time watching nearly a thousand other kids get adopted, but nobody nobody wanted her. She feared that she would never find her forever family. Times it looked like she could. People had her into the home and she stayed there for a while and she thought, this might be it, only to be disappointed and, and feeling that feeling of rejection all over again. Until a year ago, A year ago, she met a young couple named Matt and Patty. Matt and Patty had three older children. They desired to adopt a little one. But for some reason on this visit, they saw this girl named Scarlett, a teenager, and had this instant connection with her. And and Patty says that there was like this voice telling me, she's the one. And this is more for her than it is for you. And so they sought to bring her into their home. They did so a year ago, but Scarlett was still cautious. She'd been through this so many times before, she didn't know if this was going to turn out well or not. But over and over again, Patty reminded her, you're not going anywhere. And so last month in November 2018, a judge heard the case and in less than five minutes invited Scarlett to come do something. She says, I don't know if you're too big for this or not, 
but would you like to come up and use my magic gavel and pronounce you as the newest member of this family? So she came up, sat in the big black leather chair, took the gavel, with one strike on the podium, changed her name, not just her last name, she changed her first name too. She said, I wanted to feel like this was a whole new beginning to my life. And then she walked over to her mom and dad, tears running down her cheeks. They embraced her and they held her together as her newest adopted daughter. All she wanted her whole life was to be loved, celebrated, appreciated, affirmed, valued. And I thought, I think that's what we all desire, isn't it? I mean, to think of all the things you could want for Christmas, all the things you could ask for on the list, wouldn't the greatest of them all be the gift of being loved? But, you know, we don't put that on our list, and maybe one reason is you can't package it and put it under a tree. Or maybe we don't put it on the list because we've been like Scarlet, so often rejected, so often forgotten, so often neglected and devalued, that we, that we even doubt if it's possible ever to feel that kind of love. Yet I want to tell you today that that love is available to you in our Lord Jesus Christ. I grew up, and I didn't realize it at the time, but I was hungry for that kind of love. I don't mean to complain, but we didn't have a whole lot growing up. Six kids, mom and dad both had to work full-time jobs. Sometimes dad worked two jobs. And mom was a wonderful woman, but she was overwhelmed with the task of raising three, or excuse me, six kids, um, far from perfect kids. And she worked a full-time job, so she hardly even had time to cook. Dad worked nights. Dad was very temperamental. And honestly, my dad was a, was a child in a big man's body, six foot five, 250 pounds, but quite selfish, quite temperamental. And so I grew up longing for this kind of love that I found in a youth group as a teenager. In fact, this, uh, this past week, Julie and I sat down for coffee with my old youth leader, and just it was so much fun sitting with this man I mentioned to you last week about. His name's Larry. He's in his 60s, still loves the Lord deeply. And if it wasn't for him and my mom, I doubt if I would be a Christian and in ministry today. How do you find that love? Where is it? Where is it? Well, God decided to wrap up that love in the flesh of the body of a little baby a little more than 2,000 years ago. And he didn't place this child under a tree. This child actually eventually would be placed on a tree called the cross where he would die for the sins of the world. Jesus came as love embodied, God incarnate, God in the flesh, love visible, tangible. But why did he come? Why did he come? We, we know that the reason for the season is Jesus. And we say that Jesus is the reason for the season. A couple weeks ago, we had a party in our preschool area called Jingle Jam. And it was to celebrate the birthday of Jesus. And so the kids put on party hats and they had cupcakes and they sang songs to celebrate the birth of Jesus because Jesus is the reason for the season. But I want to tell you there's another reason for the season. There's, a, there's actually a bigger reason for the season. Jesus, Jesus didn't need to come to earth to be celebrated. He was being celebrated by the angels of heaven through eternity. Why, why did Jesus have to come? Because there was a bigger reason. And believe it or not, that reason is you. The reason Jesus came here nearly 2,000 years ago is because of you. 
And so what I want you to do right now is turn to the person next to you and say, you are the reason for the season. That, that's, that, that's hard to believe, isn't it? You know what's even harder to believe is what I'm going to ask you to say next. I want you to say this. I am the reason for the season. I am the reason for the season. You and I are because, because the scripture says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You and I have the need of a Savior. Savior called Jesus. Jesus being the equivalent to Joshua in the Old Testament. Yeshua meaning Yahweh or the Lord saves. He is the Savior that we need. He came to save us. But save us from what? Well, Mary knew this. Nine months prior... When the angel came to her, he said, you shall call him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. From their sins. What what are sins? Things we do, sometimes things we don't do. In rebelliousness, in defiance, in rejection of God, where we put ourselves on the throne of our lives, that we're calling the shots, that we'll do things our way, that, that, that... Bug off, Lord, I'm, I'm in control now, and this is what I want to do, and nobody's stopping me. And we go on and do our own thing. We, we say our own thing. We feel our own thing. In fact, sin often starts right there in the heart and just bubbles out. The, the jealousy and the envy and the hatred and the anger and bitterness and, and all the things, selfishness that are inside start to come out in the way we speak and the way we act. That's what sin is. Sin is a, a power that overtakes us. And I could say, sin is the reason for the season. That doesn't sound real good. But the fact is, we're pretty good at keeping sin in the season. I I know that there'll be some fighting around some households. There'll be some tension. There'll be some lack of gratitude. Uh, There'll be some heavy drinking in some homes. There'll be a lot of things where we just naturally keep sin in the season. But but hey, here's, here's the good news. If you lose your temper, if you get out of line... You say something you shouldn't say, you can just tell your family, hey, I'm the reason for the season, right? We wouldn't be having Christmas if it weren't for people like me. But then you have to turn it the other way too when the person cuts you off or steals your gift off your, off your doorstep or they don't give you the gift they want or they hurt you with what they say. Yeah, buddy, you're the reason for the season. You are the reason Jesus came. Because it is. He came because of our sin, our, our own issues we have. And sin is a, a tough issue. It's a problem we struggle with every day. I mean, I've been a Christian for more than 40 years. I still struggle with, with thoughts and attitudes and words and saying things that hurt people and doing things I shouldn't do and sometimes not doing things I should do. Don't you? It's a problem we struggle with every day, but here's a bigger problem. The Bible says that those sins have a price. Those sins, those sins build up an account with us and God, a, an account so, so indebted to God that there's no way we could ever pay God back. And so here's the predicament. I, I have nothing in me to qualify me to be in God's family forever. And why would a perfect God, a God who's good, a God who's gracious, a God who's loving, Wants someone like me to be in his family. Yet I want to tell you, he does. He does. See, Jesus knows all about adoption. Do you know that Jesus was actually adopted by Joseph? 
Think about it. It was Mary's baby, but Joseph wasn't the father. And so Joseph actually had to choose to be the father of Jesus. And he, and he did. He believed what Mary said, the angel said to her, and he took Jesus as his own, raised him as his own son. So Jesus understands adoption, but then Jesus, as the resurrected Lord, turns it around and says, hey, I want to adopt some people into my family now. I know all about this adoption stuff. I'd like to make you part of my forever family. Why would God do that? Simply because of this. He loves us. He loves us because he made us and designed us to be for him. He's jealous for us. And that's why it says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, God shows his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I mean, think about this. How did he show his love for us? Well, when you love someone, you go great distances for them. I mean, some of you travel great distances to be with family. That's because you love them. You'll travel, you know, halfway across the nation or maybe halfway across the world to be with loved ones. You want to be with those that you love, and so you'll, you'll travel great distances. Well, think about where Jesus came from, heaven all the way to earth, the great distance he traveled because he loves us. We show someone we love them by the choices that we make. Jesus chose to live, leave heaven and all the perfection of heaven to come down to this place that's polluted, that's dangerous, filled with crime, filled with all kinds of stuff here. He left perfection to come to an imperfect earth. When you love someone, you give up something that's comfortable, something that's nice and convenient for the sake of someone else. In fact, you make sacrifices for them. You suffer pain for them. When you love someone enough, and moms, you know this as well as anybody, you endure things for the sake of your children. And Jesus endured so much on that cross for the sake of his children because he loves us. He loves you. He wants you to know that. One of the ways God shows his love toward us is through people. It's hard to feel love from an invisible God, though it's possible that in our hearts we can understand that, but most often God loves us through someone, someone in our life who's, who's been his instrument to love us. And for me, I, I say the, the biggest, the biggest uh, example of that was my mother. Uh, just indulge me for a few minutes because this is very fresh. My mother, my, the service was yesterday. We... We had her service back in her little church in Milton, Wisconsin, then, then left the reception to get on the airplane to fly back to here and got home at midnight last night. And so it was, a, it was an emotionally draining day, but it was also a very beautiful day. My mom was a very quiet, humble child. She had dreams like all of us do. She loved to sing, loved to play in the band, loved sports. And she got to go to college. And when she, we, we found a little scrapbook she had of photographs from her first year of college. It was kind of amazing. I'd never seen this scrapbook. And it's pictures of girls that she hung out with in college, professors that she had fun with. And, and I remember this. She only went one year because the war broke out, World War II. She had to leave college to go work in the factory to help make things for the war. And she never got back to college. In fact, she married a soldier named Gordon Frederick Rondi. Very handsome, dashing man. Looks kind of like Clark Gable. Just very... Very handsome man, but a man that was broken on the inside. And when he and mom married, mom didn't know what she was getting into. Because when they had their first child, my oldest brother, things got really rough. And so they had to give the baby to another relative to raise for the first year while they sorted through their problems, talked to pastors to try to get their marriage back together. Which, by the way, we love, we love helping marriages get back together. 
And that's why if you need help, stop by the re-engaged counter in the foyer. We want to help you. But mom and dad needed that years ago, and they stayed together. I think they stayed together mainly because my mom knew that the Lord could work through her, and the Lord could love him through her. So she raised six kids. She worked full-time jobs and uh, devoted her time just to her family, toward keeping up with her husband. And then my dad got Alzheimer's in the early 2000s. For seven years, my dad gradually faded away, you know, repeating stories, unable to have conversations, saying things in public that embarrassed you. Yet mom, mom never, never complained. In fact, mom felt guilty when she put him in the nursing home. And yet my dad faded away until he died in 2010. Some of you have experienced that with a loved one. You watch the, we watch them fade away in their older years. Life just kind of gets sucked out of them. For my mom, it was like the opposite. God gave my mom from 2010 until this month to really live. In fact, we didn't watch my mom die. For the last eight years, we watched her live. And so over these eight years, she traveled places she'd never been to before. She got to go to Washington, D.C. to be part of a veteran's role, um, to see some of the sites in Washington, D.C. She went to Canada to see my daughter who lived up there for the very first time. She's been out here uh, three or four times to see us and our grandkids. She came to Branson for a family reunion. She went to Oregon to see her sister. And I think when she'd done all that, she just felt like, you know, I lived a full life. It's, it's time to go. And so yesterday morning, we, we had her visitation followed by the memorial service. Now, this, this little lady who was not... Uh, she wasn't known for much of anything other than her personality. She just was a gracious, kind, uh, loving lady involved in a lot of activities. She, she had a, a bowling league until she was 90, a golf league into her late 80s. She volunteered at the church. She sang in the seniors' choir. And she had all these different groups. Her company, would, would, that the retirees would gather for breakfast once a, month, once a month. She had all these different groups she was part of. And so when we gathered together at 9.30 at the little Methodist church that she's part of, that the people started to flow in. And we noticed the line getting longer, and pretty soon the line went all the way down the aisle of the church out into the foyer. And it stayed that way for an hour and a half. Finally, the pastor had to get up and say, Hey, everybody, we need to start the service. If you're still in line, please sit down. And the room was filled. Every single chair was filled. The seniors' choir that she was part of sang with an empty chair for her, sang an old song. It was, it was a pretty rough song. They're not going to cut a CD. Um, <laughs> but my mom would have loved it because mom loved to sing. And all those people from the group, the Blue Notes, came by. And all the people from her bowling league came by. And who golfed with her came by. Who worked with her came by. Relatives that are very distant came by. One after the other said how much she meant to them. How much she cared about them. How she'd call them, write notes. My mom was not a Martha Stewart type of mom. The the house looks a lot the same as it did 40 years ago. Same paint. Same pictures on the walls. She just didn't do anything to the house, really. But you know what I did find? I opened up a file drawer, and she had a, a, a file drawer. I'm not kidding. It was packed with greeting cards. Because she was the kind of person that wrote a note to everybody on their special occasion and oftentimes stuck a $5 bill in the card with them. See, my mom was so gracious because of what God had done in her life. And when I look at how mom loved so many people and loved my dad in his most stubborn days, I, I just had to see this. If, if a mom can love like this, how much more can a God love? 
mean, if your mom can love you like that, if your dad can love you like that, if your spouse could love you like that, how much more does the God who loves them love you? And see, that's the truth. God loves you. And he wants to make you part of his forever family. He wants to adopt you into his own family to live not only here on earth with him, but forever in heaven and to rejoice with him forever. Do you know that kind of love? Have you opened your heart to that kind of love? It's available to you this Christmas. I don't know what's waiting for you at your tree, at your house, probably some really cool things, but nothing is as satisfying and as wonderful as as, is as experiencing the love of God in your heart. And so, so today, would you do that? And maybe for some of you, even to pray a prayer like this, I'm gonna ask you just to bow your head and pray with me. Oh God, we thank you so much for the gift of Jesus Christ. And we recognize our need that we are sinners in need of a savior. Jesus, I've never surrendered to you. And so humbly today, I say, be my Lord, be my Savior. Let my heart be flooded with the love that only you can provide. Let me have the assurance that I am loved, valued, appreciated, and I have a place in your forever family. And I humble myself and bow with my knees before you and acknowledge you without shame, without fear, that you truly are Lord, Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.